Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I think you're going to enjoy this episode because this is a topic that we probably get questions on more than any other, and it's all around associates, equity, partnerships, structures, and a lot of good stuff like that. And I'm going to bring one of my friends, one of my colleagues, one of our advisors behind the microphone with me today, Mark Flock. And judging by the number of calls we get on a monthly basis, probably most of you have already talked to Mark. This is his first time on the show. I can't wait to have him on. Get your pad and pen ready. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. And welcome, everybody, once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. And as I teased in the introduction, I've got a newbie behind the mic with me. (laughs) Probably not a newbie for most of y'all because you've talked to one of my colleagues, Mark Flock, uh, judging by the number of calls he takes around the subject matter of associate equity. But this is Mark's first time on the podcast, and I'm really excited about having him on today. Mark, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be with you, Perrin. I look forward to our discussion. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. We are going to dig into uh, the partnership pathways process. Uh, and just to give it some context, Mark, you know, I, I think probably everybody in the audience has heard me say at one time or another, associate turnover is the number one problem of every group practice, whether you're two locations, 200 locations, 1200 locations, or what have you. Churning associates is bad for business, it's bad for cash flow, and it's bad for the continuity of patient care. And it really will make you feel like a hamster on a wheel faster than just about anything else. And solving this number one problem in all of group practices ain't easy. Um, We have some different methodologies for it. We have some philosophies and we certainly have some opinions on it. But for today's podcast, I want to, I figured it would be good to dig into the uh, associate equity partnership pathways process that we employ, because inevitably this is a question we get a lot. And that is, okay, when we're thinking about solutions, what's the right solution and, and how long does it take for me to actually get one? What happens in all of that? And I don't think we've done a, a podcast around this subject um, or, or kind of the process side of the subject matter ever before. And you end up leaving, leading a lot of these discussions, Mark. So let's let's maybe take it from the top. If, if the process is typically 90 to 120 days, why don't we just start with um, the, I hate to put it this way, the, the typical call that you get from the typical uh, business owner. Maybe give us some context around what those businesses are, are like most often um, in terms of the calls that you take. 
Yeah, it's a great question, Perrin. It's it's uh it's, it's kind of all across the board, uh, but it comes down to really one or two things. They've either lost an associate uh, recently and they're feeling the burden from that, um, or they're having troubles finding the right uh, associate uh, to grow the practice at, at the end of the day. So usually there's been turnover um, at some point in time, especially from the associate level. Uh, I, I talk to you know doctors that have anywhere between you know one, two, three locations that want to get to a much larger state you know, with multiple locations and obviously you need associates to get you there. So how can they attract those right associates is key. Um, so once they either hear one of your podcast parent or they hear a conference or a, a client of ours, former client of ours, we get a lot of referrals that way with people that have rolled out associate equity models with with Polaris. And um, they spoke to a couple of their colleagues or friends. And and that's where honestly, I get a lot of a lot of my clients, people with great experiences and putting them in the right position. So um, it's not all, it's not that you need six locations or 20 locations to build one. Um, it's more so, you know, size, you, you kind of have to have a foundation in place. And when I say that, you know, a, a decent size EBITDA number, and it's, it's all relative to what you want to build. So if it's, you know, just adding maybe one or two locations in the next couple of years, that's fine, but that's something reason for calling Polaris at the end of the day is is having a call with us to kind of understand your current state, your future state, your ideal state, and then working backwards to what that may look like and, and seeing if it's the right time, first and foremost, because it might not be the right time and we'll be the first ones to tell you that, but put you on the right path to to get you where you need to go to maybe incorporate something like that. Or there might be an alternative. Um, we, we, it's not just earned equity models. You know, we do a lot of, a lot of buy-ins. There's a, there's a reason for that in some cases that might be more beneficial to you. So we can kind of consult with you on which is the best methodology for the type of growth you're, you're expecting in the upcoming years. Yeah, I, very well said, Mark. And I, I think, you know, this is another classic example of, um, a concept that people delay on for far too long. They they think they have to be, you know, that certain size or certain number of associates, some certain uh, amount of revenue, certain number of locations before they qualify or before they're going to need an associate equity uh, solution. And and I don't think that's right. You you mentioned the the EBITDA level of, around valuation, and that is 100% correct. They do they do need a, a certain threshold of, of that before these models are going to be truly beneficial for. Um, uh, for the current founder and business owner, but at the same time, much like anything else in building a group practice, you really want to be forward thinking about this. And and I think that you know people are feeling like, well, I, I I'm not big enough to warrant um, an associate equity solution. And you know, you mentioned the recruiting piece of it. If you have the associate equity solution built, then that is a hallmark of a recruiting strategy. You know, so this is the chicken and the egg thing that I'm I'm kind of reverting back to. But I I would say probably for the for the people in this audience, they're not owning, operating, or or you know building average general dentistry practices. They're far above average, be it in terms of revenue, valuation, 
size, number of operatories. And certainly when you get into more than one location, that's, uh, uh, that's a significantly different endeavor. So I, I think the, the key here is um, to at least start the discussion process sooner rather than later and hopefully minimize some of the headaches or, or the getting caught on your heels type of a scenario when an associate you know, hand you a resignation notice or or uh, pulls the pin on the hand grenade about ownership. You know, it'd be better to be out ahead of that. So, um, good good synopsis on you know the the phase or or state of the business when when someone should should start contemplating these types of solutions. Let's dig a little bit more into the process. I mentioned before that it's you know, typically around 90 to 120 days, sometimes faster, sometimes slower, depending on a, a couple of different factors. But what happens initially when somebody reaches out and says, hey, I want you guys to to build a, a an equity solution for me to bring in uh, some minority partners? What what happens right out the gates there? Yep, absolutely, Perrin. It's uh, w- once we have a client that signs up to, to work with us and, and create a model for them, um, we usually takes about two or three days and we, we have a kickoff call with our inside data, data analytics team uh, to start gathering all the financial information and, and the practice data. Uh, we're, we're looking at, like I said, we're doing an EBITDA-based uh, essentially valuation of the business to determine the current state. And there's a lot of information uh, that we'll have to gather to provide that initial glance into the practice of where it is today and project it forward. Uh, that process typically takes around two weeks to collect all the information. And, and the nice thing about Polaris is that a lot of times we can remote in to to get the the practice information off the practice management software. We can work with CPAs. We can work with office man. We we try to take a lot of the burden off of your plate because we know you're trying to operate the business um, on a daily basis. So the initial call is for to, to let us let it let you know what we need, and then we try to help you gather all that. Ideally, within two weeks. So we can then start putting together the model. And then the model takes about usually 30 to 45 days to put it together once we have all the financial information, assuming we don't have any additional information needed or, or questions to add, uh, add to that. That's kind of the initial stages. Yeah, so it's uh it's always good for us to get a look at somebody's business and have our analytics on it and we can talk a little bit more in a few minutes about, you know, insights that we have into the business beyond just the academic valuation of it and the actual model that we're going to deliver. So we'll we'll circle back to that. Now, as the as the models being built, you know, that thankfully that doesn't involve you and I. I mean, we're not smart enough to be uh, near an Excel model, Mark. No offense to you, but um, so you know, one of the one of the interesting um, kind of um, facets of this program for so many of our our clients is that I would say the majority of our clients are. Um, founder owner operated business, meaning they're held by one person, the founder of the business. And, you know, it goes without saying that if you own 100% of the business, you're probably not having uh, quarterly uh, meetings with yourself to determine what the the future strategy of the business is, right? So from uh, uh, articles of incorporation and uh, corporate governance and guidance and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, you're not you're not running things by yourself before the decision-making approval has to be consummated. When you start bringing into the ownership structure um, a, a minority partner, regardless of the level, regardless of the level of ownership, um, 
even regardless of, of the aspects of rights and privileges around voting rights of, of their shares, you have to run the business for more through more formal corporate governance. And this involves an operating agreement. And most founders aren't even sure what an operating agreement is, or if they have one, or if they do have one, what it actually says. Sometimes when they have uh, sometimes when it's like a 50-50 partnership and they want to bring in um, minority partners, they very well may have an operating agreement, but they have no idea what it says. Uh, their attorney said they needed one. They both signed one. They have one. Where it is, nobody knows. And what's in there, we're not real sure. So this is a, a process that, Mark, when you start bringing in, when you review the legal documents, the way they stand right here, right now, today, um, and then start bringing in usually outside counsel uh, to structure a lot of the award agreements and things like that. This is a really good process for an owner or owners to go through because they start to learn more about corporate governance, start to learn more about rights and privileges, and they really start to become more connected to the business and the way that they build it and operate it. And I think it's a really educational process as well that you know we don't talk about that often. But I wonder if you couldn't maybe just take a few minutes and and dig into to the way we bring the way we either work with existing counsel or bring in outside counsel if necessary and kind of maybe redraft a lot of these agreements. Yeah, Perrin, that's that's a great point because that, that's kind of, I mean, it, within the first week or two, it's getting into the operating agreement and it's it's crucial uh, and it's almost always needing to be updated or amended because at that point in time, especially if you're the sole owner and founder of the business, uh, there's a lot of different things you you didn't account for. It's you know a partnership. What happens when if if uh, when partners are brought in and partners are leaving? Um, you know, unfortunately, there there that that event may happen. So you have to account for all of that, and you also probably have one class of shares because you're the sole owner. You know, 100. percent So really need to dig into with the attorney um, on this and, you know, the entity type, there's, there's pros and cons of the entity type when you have a earned equity model or even just a partnership versus a sole owner. It's, it, it, there's different things you have to consider. There's different classes of shares. Potentially you need to consider the pros and cons of, of adding a different class of share for the, the earned equity model. Um, and then also the model type, it kind of depends on where the equity resides in some cases too. So it, it gets it can be very complicated, and that's why Polar it's good to engage with Polaris because we actually get into all of that with the attorney on your behalf, and, and a lot of times we're walking through all of that with you first, then having a conversation with the attorney because you have to look at it from a business lens. You know, the, the attorneys are amazing, and they will do everything to a T from a legal lens, and they know a lot of things around the business side as well. But we need to kind of help you plan for all of the the exit strategies that may or may not happen, hoping the only one that happens is a liquidity event when you're selling the practice at the end of the day. Uh, but you never know. So you have to plan for all of that. And we take a look at that. You know, there's things that a lot of people don't even consider, you know, like potentially spousal waivers, you know, different uh, trigger events and 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 potentially voting provisions. That's a key one. The last one I just mentioned, voting provisions, is a key one uh, when building out these earned equity models to, you know, with super majority voting rights versus just majority voting rights. So these are all things that you have to have to consider, have to recreate or amend to an operating agreement if one already exists to ensure it's equitable for all parties 
um, including the minority partners uh, to some level, but really protects you as the founder at the end of the day from what you've built up to this point. Very well said. And and like I say, it's a um, it, it's a daunting proposition uh, for a business owner to sit there and think to themselves, well. I don't really know anything about this, and and well, it is my business. Yeah, I'm supposed to be responsible for it, but you know what? I don't know what I don't know, and and that's where, you know, Mark, you get to kind of ride side saddle with the the founder or founders of the business and the legal counsel to to draft to help draft the agreements that best suit the business case for what our client is trying to uh, to create, and I think that type of guidance um, from like the the business value proposition or the business strategy, for lack of a better term, is, is really invaluable in the process. At the end of the day, the, uh, the client comes away, the founder comes away with a greater level of confidence about being able to, to own and operate their business and really understand how it's all glued together. And to your point, if something were to go awry, you know, what, their, what the ramifications are. And I, I think that's a, a good outcome that we hardly ever talk about, but it's it's truly an educational process for them. So let's bounce back to something that you touched on um, a couple of minutes ago, which is the building of the model. Um, and our data and analytics team is a bunch of sharp men and women that you know, know more about Excel than they've forgotten more about Excel than you and I'll ever know. Um, and um, they're they're pretty, pretty savvy about building these things. And, you know, sometimes a, a client comes to us and says, look, you know, I, I want to build a group practice. I, I just had an associate leave or I've got an associate that's threatening to leave if they don't get a, an ownership opportunity or something along those lines. And they're, you know, the client's kind of playing defense. and they don't know, obviously they don't know the valuation of the business, we figure that out, but they also don't know what the ideal solution is in terms of an outcome um, you know, for both them and the associate in question. Hey, it's Perrin. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to learn more in depth about partnerships and associates, be sure to download our white paper called Creating Sustainable Success in Attracting and Retaining Associates. And if you want to learn more granular detail about buy-in and earn-in structures, as well as the legal aspects required to facilitate all of it, you should join us in Scottsdale on October 11th through 13th for our Scaling from Clinician to CEO Summit, because there'll be three different presentations dealing with all of that. And you'll have access to some incredibly bright minds over those three days. I'll drop a link in the show note for both the white paper and the registration for the conference to make it easy on you. Now, back to the show. And when we go through this process of uh, building a model, there are a lot of different variables. There are a lot of different levers that we can pull to create different outcomes for the owner, the associate how quickly the outcome is realized, et cetera, et cetera. And I liken this to what I call pressure testing the outcomes. Uh, do you want to, at a high level, at least just kind of talk through, you know, the way we we bring a client into the model and, and show them kind of the assumptions we've made, the outcomes, how to tweak it, 
if this, then that, you know, maybe that collaborative process. Yeah, I mean, I could probably get really granular on that because it's usually about an hour conversation with the client. Uh, but it's, you know, we're looking at at your projected outcome over a 10-year period. And the importance of a 10-year period is that it's not three years out where it's kind of hard to 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 really show, I guess, from, from an actual impact it is to the associate. But 10 years because... The associate, if they ever, if they truly considered going out and starting on their own, competing against you, competing against all the other group practices out there and having an extremely difficult time in doing so with a loan and they take out a loan for, say, a million dollars and pay a six, seven percent interest rate, which, you know, probably somewhere, maybe even higher than that in some places right now, it's it's going to cost them roughly a million, three, a million, four with principal and interest in doing so. So how can we create an opportunity with this earned equity model without having to go out and take out that million dollar loan or whatever that loan amount is, but have the advantage of working with you, you know, as the practice owner, the founder who's already been there, done that and created something great at this point and, and have partners, have a team and stay where they're at um, to, to create that. So it's, it's sometimes we look at a, their annual wage and, and try to find a, uh, a multiple of that. And in some cases, it's an equity percentage that we're looking from a dilution standpoint for you as a founder, but it's the dollar amount that's what's important or should be important for the associate because they're they're not necessarily putting any skin in the game from a dollar from a capital purchase at this point in time. But it's it's more so if I work hard and I exceed goals on a on a annual basis, I can earn shares in the business and help increase the performance over time. So a lot of it is projecting out the business, looking at their historical collections, coming up with reasonable goals set for them, and putting parameters out out on that, and then looking at that 10-year waterfall or outcome for the associate and tweaking a lot of those numbers. That process, we kind of put the the numbers out there, what we think they may be or what they could be, but it's all everything's decided by by you as as a client in the day, because you know the associates better than anyone else, uh, better than anyone at Polaris. You also know your business better than anyone else. So we need your input to kind of tweak those numbers in the right way to get the expected outcomes. And it's a collaborative approach uh, with both Polaris and you and, and something that you, uh, you know, agree upon, stamp off on before we go to the next step. And it's an important process, but it's an exciting process, quite frankly, with, with working with a client to see those outcomes of what they can generate, what the associate can make, and how it's mutually beneficial for for both parties. Yeah, very very well said. And and one thing I might also add is that you know as we're talking about it uh, from the earned equity model standpoint, we do um, fractional buy-ins, partial buy-ins, uh, and even hybrid models with both buy-in and earn-in. So the same could be said for you know building a model, evaluating a straight buy-in right here, right now, today, a graduated buy-in you know, installments over the next five to 10 years or something like that, and or an earn-in model along the way. So there, it, it all depends on the solution that you think is going to be most appropriate for the your business as the founder, the, the amount of um, equity you want to part with over that period of time, and also ultimately the outcomes that are worthy of the, the journey for the associate. And that's kind of like the the balance to it, if you will, um, and and making these things work. Now, Mark, we we've mentioned the associate 
uh, on multiple occasions because we're trying to solve uh, for the associate's outcome. You mentioned the 10-year outcome and everything. I think that's completely right. But we also spend a little bit of time um, maybe uh, pre-qualifying their interests. You know, the the client tells us a lot about their associates. We see a lot about them in terms of productivity, numbers on paper and everything. But we also spend a little bit of time uh, getting to know them. You want to talk about that kind of um, qualifying process and some of the exploratory calls you've done with associates over the last uh, couple of years or so? Yeah, uh, that's a that's also a, a fun p- point, I guess, and in, in, in what I do as well, because not one associates the same uh, when in speaking with them as far as you know, expectations and and uh, their goals, you know, in, in the ten to fifteen year period and and where they're at in the, in the life cycle of of being a dentist or, or a practitioner at the end of the day. So it's uh, it it's it's great to understand where they're coming from because we're we're trying to help you create a solution that's beneficial for both parties. Now, a, a lot of times, you know, one's expecting X and the other one is expecting Y. And how can we meet in the middle or how can we merge those together to create the, the same thing for both to some degree? So it's that, that's where it sometimes can get difficult, parent, <laughs> quite frankly, is when there's two different competing interests in that. However, it's always a, a great opportunity to kind of gauge their opinion, explain what we're considering or what they want rolled out. Um, in some cases, it might be here's what's being rolled out from a very high level to gain their interest, uh, to get their understanding of what's going to come when we actually present the model to them, maybe 30 days out, 60 days out at that point in time, once everything's complete. So it's a, it's usually about a 30, 40 minute phone call, sometimes longer. Um, and it's just trying to help them educate them on, on what the options are out there and maybe why some aren't, aren't an option. Uh, for that matter, based on uh, uh, where the owner or founder's mindset's at. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's our first touch point with the associate, even though it's via phone. Um, But we are trying to position in their mind about the mutual win-win solution that the client has asked us to deliver and, you know, get them ready for the aha moment in terms of what's in it for them. I mean, it same can be said where, uh, you know, I've done a, a number of these through the years. You've done a number of them. And, you know, every now and again, we do uh, have an, a phone call with an associate where it's pretty obvious that they're just predisposed to want to go it alone. Um, and, you know, maybe they tell us some things about um, working with the founder that that the founder himself or herself doesn't already know. Uh, and you never know where some of those phone calls might lead, but it's a, it's our goal to present um, a mutually beneficial solution that keeps everybody in the same boat, rowing in the same direction together to achieve the same outcome. And I, I think that's that's really the key point um, that we want to um, that we want to prep the associate for in that initial call. Now, as we're kind of rounding through the process, we obviously uh, tying down all the legal uh, docs with the uh, with the attorney and making sure that all that's up to snuff and congruent and everything like that. Um, one of the final steps of the process is that the client uh, and his or her associates makes a trip to Charlotte uh, and spends um, uh, the better part of a day with us going through a, a presentation of um, the, the 
partnership solution for the associate, but also the presentation has uh, context behind it. It has industry trends. It has projections around uh, consolidation. Why, why are group practices all of a sudden the rage when they haven't been historically? What is private equity all about? What is this EBITDA thing? You know, what's the the business, the, the value of a group practice? Like, why why are they better off in a bigger rowboat versus going it alone? It's not a sales pitch by any stretch, but it's, you know, it's reinforcing the value proposition of, of staying with the founder. And that that presentation is a couple of hours. And then typically the the founder and the associates after we roll out of there, will do some sort of a, a kind of call it a strategic planning session or a next steps, or how do we, how do we make sure that, you know, the associates are super productive, they exceed their goals and we're all one big happy family a year down the road. It's really, it's really one of the most fun days that I get to spend in, in my career. And you've done a number of them too. So why don't you take us through like what that day looks like and the way it unfolds and, you know, probably a little bit more color than even what I've been able to share on it. Because I think that, that, you know, call it the model delivery and the planning session day for the the founder and his or her associates is is really impactful because that's the first legitimate step to talking about the validity of partnership. Yeah, you explained that pretty well, Perrin, but I'll I'll try to add some details in between. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's usually the presentation itself is probably, if I had to get guessed, you know, two and a half to three and a half hours. Like you said, it's a, a good part of a, a day or at least a half day. And the first half or two thirds to your to your point that you just mentioned is really kind of educating them on the why, you know, the the why or where group practices are heading why it's important, where the growth is coming from, why it's coming from these areas. Um, it's going through you know, EBITDA, since that's an important metric or, or number for, for group practices and, and even private equity firms on, on what valuations are based off of, kind of going through and explaining how to calculate EBITDA you know, as a business owner. They may not be a business owner today, but hopefully they're, they are shortly down the road through the earned equity model or a buy-in or or, or some some form of equity. So it's it showing them how to, you know, why it's important um, to be a business owner and then the, the things they're going to have to consider to be, to, to, to grow the business over time. Um, it's also explaining, you know, with uh, giving the examples of the earned equity model and, and kind of what all that entails. And then the last half is going over specific details to their, to their model, you know, what they're expected to, to do over an annual basis, you know where the growth needs to be, how they can earn their equity, um, what it's going to equate to on an annual basis. Um, there's a vesting period, so what does that look like for both vested and unvested shares each year um, that is projected out, and then what that intended outcome is for both the business and them individually from an equity standpoint, but more importantly from a from a valuation or value standpoint, I should say, uh, from dollars, and then what that could mean to them. You know, if there's a, a trigger event or a sales event, um, in some cases where the practice does sell, um, we're, we're very conservative in our analysis when it comes to the, the values and projections in most cases. And the reason being is is we, we want you to try to achieve that number or hopefully achieve that number, but it could be worth more. And, and that's kind of the exciting point. If you if as a team, if you all build something greater or better it's only going to benefit all parties. So once again, that's why it's it, it needs to be mutually beneficial because everyone's a partner at that point. And, and if you can um, grow it together, you'll all succeed. 
And, and that's what essentially the what we try to create with these earned equity models is success for all parties, not just the, the founding member at the end of the day. Yeah, that's that's really well said. And I'm I'm gonna, you know, um step on the third rail when I make this next comment, so to speak. But you know, the the presentation, if done correctly, we're really selling the merits of both the program and the founder's business to the associate. We're reinforcing that value proposition. And I'm not saying it's a sales pitch, like you're selling the company or anything like that. But I think it's it's really important to have us be that quasi-objective third-party industry expert validating the business that the founder is endeavoring to build and the role that the associates play in it. And when done correctly, the, the associates enter the room in the morning with an associate mindset. And hopefully by the time we're done with our presentation, and certainly when the founder is done, you know, with any type of a resulting strategic planning session or, you know, uh, discussion with the associates, they come in as associates with an associate mindset. They leave with more of an owner mindset. And I think that's critically important to, to hitting the ground running, hoping that they have the clinical skills and drive and all that other kind of good stuff to exceed their collection goals that we set out ahead of them and, and ultimately earn the right to become an owner. And I think that is, is such a cool outcome. And having experienced this firsthand through my days and years at, at Patterson, I, I'm a real believer in the program because I was the beneficiary of the program. And I think that's, that's super important. So Mark, let's, uh, let's, conclude our discussion with what happens down the road. So we've we've rolled out, the, we've built the model, we've rolled it out. Um, the associates have uh, had some period of time to hopefully exceed their goals and they've, they've earned uh, some equity, some shares in the business. Uh, and then around Q1 of every year, we do something called cap table updates for um, our, our associate equity clients uh, or those that that elect to have us do that. So their uh, um, CPA can can do it if they want, but more and more of them are having us do that. And this is kind of a, a way for us to uh, to reinforce what we talked about when we uh, rolled out the program initially, and to have a little bit of fanfare around uh, the achievement. You want to talk a little bit about what that kind of looks like when we do cap table updates and hopefully the the value of the equity that somebody's earned over the course of the prior year? Yeah, that's it, it's really fun, especially when the, the business has done well and the associate's done really well uh, to deliver the good news, you know, with uh, the award certificate, um, you know, with how many shares are being awarded. Because, uh, like I said, we, we'll do we'll, we'll run the cap table update, determine you know share prices, unit prices, all of that, and determine how much uh, equity they've gained from a dollar perspective, and then equate that into a number of shares that they're being awarded at that point in time. But also showing them the vesting schedule, you know, from any prior years that they've earned shares that are now starting to vest over time, it starts to add up. And and I think I've said the word waterfall. Uh, once before in this conversation, it, it truly looks like that when you get to years five, six, and seven, and it's pretty exciting to see because it it may not equate to a whole lot early on, but once you hit the years multiple times in a row as an associate now, you know, uh, minority partner in the business, it's really exciting to kind of see the hard work they've done 
to, to achieve the results that they're starting to see in being awarded on an annual basis. So we help to deliver those to our uh, to our clients and, and associates or minority partners, I should say, at this point in time, um, as they're being awarded uh, shares or units in the business. So it's great. The only time it's not great is when they don't exceed the, the threshold or the award and, and you're just delivering an update uh, with, with updated information. But Hey, it, it's it's got to happen, and and hopefully that's motivation to that individual to come back and hit it next year because they're seeing what what they're missing out on, um, especially if there's other people, other associates or minority partners in business earning shares or units. It's uh it, it starts to become competitive, or as it should be, and it's it's a good thing. Absolutely, um, these are these are fun programs to do, whether it's buy-in, earn-in, or a hybrid of both, and. You know, when it comes to building a bigger business and and a more stable business, DeWalker and I are trying to um, create the same outcomes for Mark, you and and all of your uh, colleagues and contemporaries here at Polaris, just as we advocate for our our clients and building a, a bigger, more stable business. So it's it's truly a lot of fun and it's great to see um, because I, I think it can be something that's so beneficial over over such a longer period of time. Um, and for a growing and increasingly valuable business, um, there's plenty to go around. So thanks so much for uh, for joining me on the show today. I can't believe I've waited this long to bring you behind the microphones. You're great at this and you do a, uh, an unbelievably good job for our clients. And we're, we're thrilled to have you as part of the team. And I really in, enjoy working with you. So thanks for uh, for being on with me today, buddy. It was a pleasure being on, a, being on the podcast, Baron. Appreciate it. I think I'll have you back sometime soon. You know, we'll 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 find the time in your schedule, or I'll just make the time in your schedule to uh, to join me behind the microphone. So, thanks, uh, sincere thanks to Mark Flock, our Partnership Pathways uh, consultant. Uh, he is a true genius when it comes to working with clients in this type of a solution, as well as into some consulting endeavors too. And really appreciate uh, your guidance and and your teamwork and everything else you do for us. For all of you, really appreciate you certainly being in the audience. Stick around for some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. Thanks so much to Mark Flock for joining me on the show today. He's a wealth of information, got a great background. And like I say, so many of you are getting to know him through so much of our uh, work with Partnership Pathways. And um, I look forward to having him back on the show with me uh, in a number of uh, upcoming episodes, too. I think he brings a lot of value and a lot of lot of insight. So sincere thanks to Mark for not only being on the team, but also spending a little bit of time with us today. As we wrap up today's show, I've got um, I've got a little bit of an announcement to share with y'all, uh, and the announcement is as follows. You know, I've had, I'd say, the good fortune of speaking at probably about eight different conferences this year, wide variety of audiences, um, and really gotten to meet a lot of you in person. I get you know, messages and emails, texts and whatnot uh, from many of you who are in the show and, and followers of ours. Uh, and it's great to kind of put a name with a face and and also get, a, get the chance to meet a lot of new people. And speaking with so many of you, both personally and, you know, via text or email uh, and sometimes on phone calls, I've started to hear a, a common refrain from uh, many people. And that is, 
you know, similar to uh, an email that I, I recently got from uh, a listener. And it said, the email says, you know, I'm starting out my journey to get a few offices, but I really don't have a clear plan after that. I've been listening to your podcast for a while and realize you've got a lot of knowledge to share. I'd love to have the clarity from the beginning so that I can have a successful and happy journey from the start. Maybe we'll sell one day, but I think the initial goal is something around two to five locations uh, and certainly be full-time clinical starting out. I'm not sure at what point uh, you'd help, but if we can work out something to work with you from day one, I can only imagine that would set us up for success. And maybe it was this email that that pushed me over the edge, <laughs> so to speak, because I think a lot of our services... Um, are they make a, a huge impact obviously on the clients we work with but you know when you're in that early stage of of I don't even know if I'd call it an emerging group but just kind of assembling the parts and pieces uh, a lot of our services may not be necessary or they might be overkill and and I get that and I guess you know finally the refrain hit home with me uh, if I've heard this type of an email or comment verbally I must have heard it a hundred times I feel like this year uh, and and if the thought process is that you want to build a group, but you're not ready for one of those full-blown services, you probably just need more tactical guidance and tools to start the journey. So here's kind of the announcement. I've decided that I'm going to create that for you. Uh, and what I want to call this thing is the Catalyst Project. It's a six-week multi-practice accelerator. And it's going to be a six-week course, essentially, with two sessions per week, uh, one on a concept or a tool or something to apply tactically, and, and the other is a group discussion around that particular tool. I'm going to teach it live over Zoom. So hopefully this would be con convenient for you, no travel required, you know, from the comforts of your own home or office, so to speak. It's going to be live, so it'll be highly interactive and participatory. We'll record all of them if you end up missing one of those six sessions or one of those twelve sessions over six weeks. Um, but the idea is that it will be participatory in a group setting. I'm in the process right now of building some of the tools and applications that are at the top of my mind from so many of these conversations. So it's a lot of new stuff, um, and and honestly, it'll be meant to be applied by you pretty quickly, if not immediately. I'm also going to lead and teach all of this stuff personally. I feel like I'm the one that's had the conversations with so many of you. I understand what your needs are. I kind of understand where you are in your journey um, and the, the challenges you've got in this really uh, initial phase. Uh, and I think I'm the best person to do that. So it's going to be it's going to be a personal endeavor by me to, to spend time with you in, in this type of a, a group class setting taught over Zoom. The initial session I want to launch on Friday, August the 4th. So it's it's not too far off by the time you're listening to this. And really, this course is designed to teach you what you need to know to do so that failure isn't an option. So this isn't theory, this is tactical application. I wanna spend time and teach you what you need to know to do uh, to avoid failure. If that's what y'all are looking for, then direct message me and I'll get you the link with more details. There are a lot of you in the audience that I've had this conversation but never had the, the opportunity to kind of close the conversation. And I hope that will be, that this will be that uh, for all of you. So if you're interested, send me an email um, and I'll get you the link with more details. 
look, this is obviously a new endeavor. Uh, we haven't done anything like this before. Uh, so I'm going to limit the initial class to 20 people. Uh, and if you want to be one of those, you can reach me directly at Perrin at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. Perrin is P-E-R-R-I-N at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. Send me an email. I'll drop my email in the show notes to make it easier to, but send me an email and I'll provide you a link with more details um, and, and description and all that kind of stuff for the actual course itself. But I hope this is uh, what so many of you have been looking for uh, to unlock that next kind of building block in your initial phase of your journey. And you know, frankly, I'm pretty excited about being able to create something a little bit new that we haven't done before as well. And and I think that scratches a bit of a creative niche for me. Uh, and obviously, I appreciate all of you being in the audience and giving us the accolades on the podcast and everything that you do. So hopefully this will be uh, more of even a tactical application uh, of some of that subject matter. So uh, really looking forward to it. I appreciate you being a listener and a subscriber. Hopefully, I'll hear from many of you about participating in our first of the Catalyst Project six-week multi-practice accelerator course. And thank you so much for being a listener and a subscriber to the podcast. We'll see you on the next episode.